Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to Expose Dragged Out. I'm Joseph Shepard, and each week we dive into the lives of some of those queens who went home a little bit too early on a RuPaul's Drag Race franchise. Today, we're putting on our time machine goggles and blasting off to 2011 for season four of RuPaul's Drag Race with the legend known as the princess. How's it going? Hi, Joseph. I'm absolutely wonderful. How are you? I am great. All right. So uh, the first thing you said that just caught me, I know you've talked to other season four girls, so you may know better than me. I believe we filmed in 2011, but it didn't air until 2012. Is that correct? That is correct. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I've talked quite a few of your sisters. Are you friends with a lot of them still? Because I know that you are good with Willem because Willem gave me your contact. So Yeah, no, I love Willem. I will love Willem to the day I die. The rest of them are acquaintances, I I guess I would say. I'm not really close with any of them. I gigged up in Chicago quite often before the pandemic, but I would see Dita almost every time I was up there. Love that girl. But everybody else, I really don't even see them. Well, I want to get into a little bit about your life because you were born and raised in South Africa, right? No. (gasps) Oh my gosh, the internet is so wrong. Can you believe that? Oh my Um, gosh. All right. And and I, I kid you not, I probably get asked about this at least once a week, not any stretch. So before Twitter before Instagram, before all of that stuff, there was only Wikipedia and Facebook. And so how did people troll you on the internet? They would go to your Wikipedia page and change the information just to troll you. And so during my season and for about a year, year and a half, when I was with a management company and a booking company, they would go in and just change it for me. Well, still to this day, If somebody changes it back to where I'm originally from, I'm originally from Omaha, Nebraska, they will change it back to South Africa. And it has actually gotten me in a little bit of trouble sometimes, but it's like, I have nothing to do with that. Somebody or a group of people out there who... They really want you to be from South Africa for some reason. Yeah. (laughs) So you said that you were born and raised in, you said... Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah. So what were you like as a child? Oh my goodness. I was a flamboyant, just a sissy. Uh, And I know that because my 
dad called me a pansy and a sissy regularly. So I didn't have the best upbringing. Did I have a roof over my head? Did I have food on the table every day? Yeah. But I was definitely the gay kid who grew up in a home where that was not really tolerated. I'm the second of five. The first four being boys, they were all athletes. They were all star athletes on top of that. So then being the one in marching band and being the one that did musicals and plays and was artsy and all that stuff, it's kind of like, which one of these things is not like the other? You know, I think my dad probably knew what was coming kind of thing. So maybe he thought if he could like browbeat me like into calling me names, it was going to work its way out. But guess what? You forged a drag queen when you do that. So because literally I say it all the time as an adult, like I'm literally living out my childhood fantasies, no matter what they are, you know, like I'm getting to play dress up. I'm getting to do all the things that I wanted to do when I was a kid and I wasn't allowed to. So I can relate to that 100. That's exactly how my parents were. I was born and raised in Tennessee. I was in Memphis. You're in Nashville now, right? Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. I was in Memphis, very Southern Baptist. And the thing, it was always like, if I was walking and if my hand was like this, my mom would slap the hand and be like, that's a no, no. <laughs> it was, you know, here are your dad's hot wheels from when he was born and raised in the sixties. I'm like, I don't want hot wheels. I don't want any of that. So it's tough sometimes when the parents don't understand. Yeah, it can be. But, you know, I had my ways. It's weird what they allowed me to do and what they didn't allow me to do. Because, like, if me and my brothers would go to the neighbor's house to go play, the neighbor's parents would say, well, you know, Adam was playing with the Barbies with the girls. He wasn't playing ball with the boys. And so I would get a talking to. But then for whatever birthday it was, I got every Janet Jackson concert on VHS for my birthday. So it's like, you know, you're only feeding that because like, I like anything Janet and Michael and Madonna, like I would, Paula Abdul, all that stuff. Like I was living, but they would give it to me as gifts. So like, it was a weird dichotomy. And then, especially too, like when you're going through all of that, And I don't know if you had a similar experience when I went through that and you were constantly told things were wrong and stuff. You kind of didn't want to believe your outcome of who you were. When did you actually realize that you like somebody of the same sex? Was there ever like a moment? So I think because I just watched it, I think you asked Brooklyn the same question during her interview a couple months ago. And I remember being... I couldn't have been any more than fifth grade. It was fourth or fifth grade. And one of the neighbor kids, I don't know, my brain couldn't wrap around why I liked him, but like I liked him and I knew that I wasn't looking at girls. Was it, I wanted to play with girls, but I wanted to play with Barbies and play dress up and play house and stuff like that. But there was this boy that I was drawn to. And and I very, very vividly remember not understanding what it like. I don't want to go play kickball like they're playing in the field behind our house, but I definitely want to watch him. I want to be around him. I want to like, I was drawn to him. So yeah, definitely like fourth or fifth grade. I can definitely remember that. And then after all of that, you know, you start getting into the vibe. I guess that when did you actually start your drag? Like when was the first performance that you had? Do you remember that? Oh, I was 18. I went to a drag show when I was 18 and I saw my first drag show. It was mind blowing because it was like clicking all of a sudden that 
this is what you're supposed to be doing. Like this is honestly in high school, I thought I was going to be on Broadway or I thought I was going to be a pop star. I can't sing a lick at all, but something told me, Hey, you're going to be doing this. That's what you're doing. And then I went to my first drag show and I was like, Holy crap. That's how I become a pop star is by becoming a drag queen. That's how I, you know, do Broadway is by becoming a drag queen. And the the rest is history. So you were performing, and where were you originally performing? Oh, uh, so originally got started in Lincoln, Nebraska, which is about 45 minutes outside of Omaha because the clubs were 18 and up, or the club that I was at was 18 and up. And then I, then once I turned 21, I got to started working in Omaha. And then fast forward, play finds me at a pageant that I did. They were recruiting and they found me. And then, yeah, I've been here ever since. Wow. What do you think of the Nashville scene? How is it? Because when I know that when I was growing up, we'd go to Nashville a lot and it slowly was starting to blossom more and more. How is it now? Oh, it's huge. It is giant. At one time where I worked play dance bar, greatest place in the country, they were the only place that did drag that had any sort of show. There may have been like maybe a little dive bar that had a show like once every couple months or whatever. But within the last, I would say eight years, Nashville has boomed like immensely. And then with that has come the drag scene. And so there's these, you know, there's drag brunches everywhere. There's shows here and there. So yeah, it's definitely grown. So let's get into that little show that you were on. You know, you were on a little RuPaul's Drag Race. This was season four. So long ago. So long ago. What, almost 10 years ago? 10 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Back then, we were, you were on Logo. Back then, it was not as big of a phenomenon as it is now. How did you end up auditioning? Like, what pushed you to do that? So, like I said, living here in Nashville, I stepped away from drag for a minute and I moved to Chicago. I was working for a cosmetic company. I went to go and, you know, wanted to go to a bigger city, Chicago. I wanted to not be in drag. I had been doing it for so long. Well, then, you know, after not doing it for about a year, my friends were like, why don't you audition for a drag race? And I was like, okay, fine. They had bugged me and bugged me and bugged me. And the current audition season was like coming to an end. They're like, let's just do it. So we literally did it in an afternoon and we sent in the tape. And then two weeks later, they're like, Hey, you're on. And I was like, wait, what? Oh, okay. So yeah. You walk into the workroom and what were you thinking? Like, was this your technical, your first television thing? Yeah. First television ever. I was going in with the thought that I'm going to do drag. That's what I was going. I wasn't going to play a character. I wasn't going to play. I'm using this as a launching pad for the rest of my career. Like I wasn't thinking that I was like, I'm going to go do drag. Like I've watched the first three seasons and that's it. And so when I walk in and if you, I don't know if you remember, but I walk in and I have this surprise look and I'm like, Oh my God, because I recognized Fifi and Dita from Chicago, it didn't dawn on me that there would be other people from my same city there or anybody that I knew kind of thing. And then it was all downhill from there. (laughs) What do you think it was that, like, did you get in your head? Were you not as what they wanted to be? Because when I was talking to Nicole last week, Nicole Page Brooks was saying that because of the fact that she wasn't pushing herself to the extreme of what they wanted she wasn't fully her potential so like what was it what do you think it was 
I definitely think it's because I'm an introvert. And especially as Adam, I'm not the loud, boisterous one in the room. And specifically, no, during the wrestling challenge, when we rehearsed, which they filmed and they showed, they wanted us to be just as much big and over the top as we were when we did it in drag. And that's not me. Like, I can't wrap my head around doing something full out, whether it's choreography or fucking wrestling, you know what I mean? Until I'm in my character. And so, yeah, because I was quiet and reserved, that was definitely my downfall. Now, I will say I'm not bitter about anything, but if I'm bitter about something, it's that there have been girls who are also introverts and also quiet and reserved that have gone all the way to the top and they don't get clocked for it. But because I was, I had to be sent home kind of thing. Let me ask you about the introvertedness because, I mean, I'm on the spectrum, so the introvertedness comes kind of like with that. What is it like? Like, are you, when you perform, do you have like that umph and like, you're like, yes, like I'm being that extrovert. And then once that goes off, you're like, I'm done. Like, how does your mind work? That You just nailed it. So this is, this is my job. This is what I do. And I see it as it's me at play dance bar or whether you're a girl booked to do a gig at a venue, you become Mickey Mouse at Disney World. And so you have to play that part. People want to see you. They want to have a part of you. They want to talk to you. They want to take a picture with you. That comes automatically. It's a job. It's a career. It's a work thing. But then when outside of that, I'm like I said, I'm not the one who walks into the room going, hey, everybody, you know, like that's not me. It's two different things. I do the same thing. I walk into a room and I'll sit down and I'll be like, who would I actually talk to? And I just like judge everybody, but I'm like paying attention. You got to take it in. Yeah. Well, and I'm not a small talk person either. Like I can't just bullshit. I hate bullshit. Hey, how are you? If you don't care how I am, then don't ask me how I am. You know what I mean? Like that may be so whatever jaded or whatever, but it's true. Like I want to have a meaningful full conversation about something that's going on or whatever. I just like, it's almost nails on a chalkboard to be like, Hey, how are you? Oh, good. How are you? Are you having a good night? You are okay. Great. You know what I mean? And I have those conversations a thousand times a night, you know, but again, it's part of the job, but especially as Adam, I just can't do it. I can't do it. (laughs) So you're on the show. I've heard multiple things from all of your season four sisters, literally Willem, Latrice, we get like going into Dita, like all this stuff about how during that time, your production on the show was so different, I'm guessing, than what it is now. And, you know, we've heard the thing about food and like, you know, how everything kind of ran. Was your experience good or did you experience kind of the same thing that your other sisters did? All I can say is I was there for such a short time that I don't think I got to get the brunt of what they described it as. I will say you could see like the makings or the bubblings up of things, but it didn't dawn on me at the time because I only know about it afterwards when you hear about what everybody else's experience was because they were there longer. Yeah. So I wish I had something dramatic to tell you. But yeah, when you're only there for two weeks, you know, like you don't really get the whole experience. Yeah. What do you think it is that you didn't get to show that you wish you would have shown the world? Oh, everything. The rest of my stuff. You know what I mean? Like everything I brought, the audience was robbed of everything that I had. And now I know a lot of girls probably say that they're like, oh, I didn't get to show this. I didn't get to show this. But like, I can honestly say that I had a point of view that was not on the show and hadn't been on the show in the previous three seasons, you know, so I think they really missed out on that. 
Everybody always says Sasha Velour was the first queen to not have hair. And it's like, no, no, no. Let's go back in the timeline. There's plenty of other ones. You know, she's not the only one. And I always have found that interesting. And I also read a rumor, which, you know, if the internet's bad, which we've already learned because you're not from South Africa. (laughs) Absolutely not. Do people come up to you at the bars and stuff and ask you if you will audition for Drag Race? Is that true? All the time. Did somebody tell you that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just had it in a question. Yeah, in a question, somebody like asked it. Yeah, I totally get it. It was 10 years ago, as we discussed. But it's funny, I'll be standing at the bar between shows, you know, mingling, whatever. And somebody will be like, hey, I really think that you should audition for that Drag Race show. And I'll just look over at a bartender and they know exactly what the look is because I hear it every week. I hear it all the time. And it's fine because some people, you know, they don't start until season eight you know, and then they watch all the way through or what I get it, especially some of those seasons, they're rough to watch. But also you can't fault people for not realizing it is crazy when they do know other girls from my season and then say that. So yeah, that's where it's like, oh, wow. So you just skip to like the end, basically. Yeah, I mean, no, but like those first few seasons, they, you know, one through three were kind of rough. And then, you know, All Stars was rough. And now it's just a totally different breed. Back then, before you got on Drag Race versus after and how the phenomenon has kind of like blown up, what has the drag scene been like? Has it changed? Have you seen a big change? Oh, a thousand percent. And I can tell you specifically that part of me thinks that because they watch drag on TV, when they come to a drag show now, no reaction, no clapping, no cheering, no screaming, you know, none of that. Unless, unless there's a RuPaul girl, a famous RuPaul girl, then they get excited. But on just a normal night, it's like, come on, y'all. Like, I'm finding we're retraining audiences how to react at a drag show every night. It's my job as an MC to tell them this is what you're supposed to be doing. And it's crazy because 10 years ago, you didn't have to tell an audience what to do. They knew or they picked it up from everybody else. And so that would be what I've noticed the most from a show that doesn't have a RuPaul person in it. Yes, I am a RuPaul person, but I don't consider myself that. I'm a local girl just like everybody else kind of thing. So it's almost night and day the difference when, you know, say, like we just had Brooklyn last week. We have Eureka next week, you know, and then like I'm about to go do a show in like a half hour and I'm going to have to go out there and be like, okay, y'all, this is what we do. And we tip the dolls and, you know, all that stuff. I would say that would be the biggest thing that I've noticed. The tipping, too, you said that because I remember, you know, during those early days when I would go to the bars, you know, nobody necessarily always had their phone up either. They weren't always recording something. You were giving the dollars to the dolls. And like now when I go and see shows at like Mickey's or something, I always make sure to, you know, get the dollars and do it. And it's like if you're going to take a picture, if you're going to take a video, if you're going to be all crazy, you got to be throwing some money down like It's the worst thing in the world. This is somebody's art. You know, you don't go into a Broadway theater and sit down for free. Like, you know, you pay the admission, you pay the price. So like, I feel like that's also gone down. Very much so. And not only are you getting a show, but if you're taking a picture or video and then you're posting it to your social media for the clout, ooh, look what I did, look what I saw. Okay, well, you can give that girl a dollar because now Mm -hmm. you just got a souvenir for free. You know what I mean? Like, it's a souvenir. So that's how I look at it. But, you know, 
Got to teach them. Got to teach them. Got to teach them. You got to teach them. You got to. It's all youngins now. All the youngins are just obsessed with it now. Yeah, which is good because that means hopefully it'll carry on and carry on. It won't be a dying art, you know. Now, the one thing about your drag, which I really enjoy, is that I think that you are such a creative individual. And I feel like everything that you do is either inspired by something or you really are just like putting on, you're your own person. I've noticed that through the years too on Drag Race, when newer girls get on or when things happen, they kind of are not fully themselves. They're modeling off of a different drag queen and stuff. What inspires you when you become the princess it's not a daily thing because i do drag five nights a week what inspires me is the paycheck getting paid but as it does for everybody who's in the business but as far as like the aesthetic wise i would say it's everything from fashion to music those are the two most obvious ones i'm sure everybody's gonna say but for me it goes a little bit deeper than that like i'm actually like studying that stuff and like i still buy magazines and flip through and i like i love the smell of a vogue magazine you know and looking at the editorial section and like those are the kind of things that like spark a fire up in me I love that. And I love that you're still like going the old school way of like flipping through a magazine. I love the smell of a magazine. I love the smell of a Vogue magazine. That's the place to be. (laughs) Completely. Now, we did have some fan questions for you about some questions these lovely people asked. And the first one we have is, did Willem really try to lip sync in your spot in episode two? Yeah, and Willem has been so outspoken about this after the show. The challenge I was telling you about, it was the wrestling challenge. Yes, I was an introvert during rehearsals, but when it came to actually performing it in front of an audience, there was a live audience that watched us. We all fucking did the damn thing. Like, we were all in it. Now, of course, people blame editing for things, but when you go back and look at it, it looks like I'm doing nothing. And of course, we didn't know it was going to be edited like that. But then when they put me up to be for elimination, Willem was like, oh, no, 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 no. We all worked hard. We all did the damn thing. I was the team captain, put me up. But of course, they have to build a story and to get rid of me kind of thing. And so, yeah, Willem has always been a champion in that aspect of like putting like the real story out there. Let's go to another one. We have what actually happened between you and Madame LaQueer on season four? Nothing. (laughs) I didn't know there was something. Well, Becky, nothing happened. And your question is incorrect. That's weird. Uh, (laughs) Um, And you know what? I haven't even thought of her in years since you just said her name. So like, that's weird. If something happened, please refresh my memory. And along with being an introvert, I'm also not a fighter, like an instigator or anything. So that's weird that somebody would think that something happened. Well, I mean, speaking of fighter and instigator in this stuff, I mean, there was an untucked moment with you and then, um, you know, Miss Sharon. And there was this whole thing that a lot of people were saying that, like, you know, that you gaslit Sharon, you attacked her, blah, blah, blah. Like, what was your feeling during that? Uh, You're going to have to remind me what happened. (laughs) People get so involved in it, you have to realize some of us, it's just a thing that we did. Like, I'm not still living in 10 years ago. I'm like, I've probably lived two lives since then. And so like you bringing up something that happened in the gold room in Untucked, I'm like, the only thing that I remember is I believe Also, I haven't watched my season or Untucked 
since I came. Like, I'm not that person who goes back and like, I, it's weird to me. Anyway, it's because they were talking about my voice. Is that what it is? Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> now that we're talking about it, it's coming back to me. How did I gaslight Sharon? She's the one that brought it up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The question that the fan asked is, after watching it back, do you regret how you handled your situation and interaction with Sharon? She seemingly unintentionally totally gaslit and attacked Sharon for critiquing her voice when the feedback was actually about speaking up and being more assertive, which is actually what the judges were saying. Does she see how she misconstrued and overreacted to that in the moment or no regrets? Absolutely no regrets. And I also love that we're applying 2021 verbiage gaslighting to something that <laughs> happened that happened 10 years ago. Are you kidding? Are, so we're just looking for things to dig up. Like, okay, whatever. As they always do. Yeah, of course. The way I remember that happening was it was specifically about not changing my... Now, I don't know what, they, what it read in Untucked, but about how my voice is very deep and I didn't change it to be feminine. And I was like... I'm not changing my fucking voice. I don't care if RuPaul does. I don't care if somebody else does, but this is who the princess is. You can't tell me. It's the same thing. They didn't show this, but like during one of the challenges, Michelle was like, people in the 80s didn't have chest tattoos. You're right, they don't have fucking chest tattoos, but the princess does, and this is 2012. You know what I mean? So like, it's all ridiculous. The things that they want to point at, and it's like, what are you talking about? Like, if you can't come for me in any other way except for a chest tattoo, because I won't lower or raise my voice, like, get out of here. Well, let's talk about the chest tattoo, because that's the next fan question. How many tattoos do you have? And do you ever struggle with being more masculine than feminine when it comes down to, like, boy versus girl, feminine, masculine? It doesn't even cross my mind. I paint my face and I go out on stage. Like if somebody thinks I'm not feminine enough, that's not my problem, then I'm not for you and that's fine. You know, I don't give it a second thought. And how many tattoos, it's too many to count, I'm completely covered in them. Reviews, they are everything. Whether it be a podcast review, food review, any time that you can read what another person's experience is, you kind of feel like, hey, you know what? Like, I understand where you're coming from. It can help you make some of the biggest decisions that you have to make in your life. And when it comes to finding healthcare, ratings matter even more. And that's where ZocDoc comes in. ZocDoc is an app where you can compare doctors by their ratings and read reviews from real patients. So you can find and book highly rated local doctors. It has been so eye-opening just to be able to see where I'm going to go before I actually go there because I normally have always dreaded going to the doctor before I ended up using ZocDoc. So just download the free ZocDoc app, the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance, read verified patient reviews, and book an appointment in person or by video chat. You never have to wait on hold with a receptionist again because nobody likes the hold music. Whether you need a primary care physician, dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist, eye doctor, or other specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. Go to ZocDoc.com slash exposed and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc and I'm one of them. It's my go-to whenever I need to see a doctor. 
So now is your time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com slash expose. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash expose and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash exposed. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. So you get off this show, you end up having your career after, you're now at play in Nashville. Let me ask you, what has life been like afterwards? And what has it been like being in drag and seeing the whole culture kind of change? I'm just doing my thing. I'm just trucking along. I don't think I've ever been so happy in my entire life. Where I work is amazing. The company I work for is amazing. I've never met people that have wanted to take care of me so much, which in turn wants me to make sure that I take care of where I am kind of thing. But speaking of the culture, like, it, I mean, it has been rough, but it kind of goes along with what we were saying about the audiences. Every night I'm retraining audiences. I always say, as long as I have a product to sell, to the audience, like I can do this forever and hopefully they'll still want to buy it, you know? Even though there are differences, like we still pack them in for the shows every night. So we're doing something right. Yeah. I mean, you are doing something right. And play is so big. It's such a like a great environment to be in. And I think that that is just like, I wish in all honesty that we had a play here in Los Angeles because I'm like, there's really nowhere that I feel like is fun, fun, fun. Like, you know, and like the queens are like supported in the right ways because I always feel like the sad thing is that when these local queens, no matter what, at the end of the day, are going to get the short end of the stick. And these queens are the ones that are probably putting in a whole lot of energy, effort and money. And they're not making that much dollars because everybody wants to go to the bar and see somebody else host a show or something, you know? And I just like, I think that that's the one thing that I've really just been missing is just those local girls turning it out and that support behind it. You don't have that in LA because how does an LA girl come to be on drag race? They got to start somewhere, right? Or are they moving from other places and it's just very sad seeing, I guess you would say now, like the past few years have been like the local shows have just gotten smaller crowds and smaller crowds because oh. like people would rather go on a Thursday night to go down to the Abbey and go see, you know, Eureka perform or something. And then as opposed to seeing the local queens that are doing competitions or, you know, performing or hosting the shows. And that's, I think, the sad part there. Oh, that it's is like, sad. That, that does make me sad for you that you can't go see that. Yeah. Or it's, it, or it's at least dwindling. Yeah, it is dwindling. And then also, like, you know, which, you know, it's common, you know, the local girls that have their spots in the certain things have, you know, a group of four to five girls who do the same show every Saturday or every Sunday or whatever it is. And it's not necessarily opening it up more for anybody else, which is sad, too. Right. Yeah, I get that. So uh, let me ask you, what has been the best thing in your career as a drag queen? What is your proudest accomplishment? It's funny that you say that because I was talking to an old, old friend. So I did a Jack White video from the White Stripes. I was in Lazaretto. And my friend was like, that's got to be like the coolest thing that you did in drag besides being on Drag Race. And I was like... 
Actually, no. There is a chain of hotels. They're museum hotels. They're called 21C. They're Louisville, Cincinnati. There's one here in Nashville. And they're little boutique hotels. And the owner of those hotels found me through the grapevine. And I have built a relationship with him that when he throws parties, whether they're at his home or at his hotels, he likes to incorporate me because he sees what I do as art. In all of his boutique hotels, he only has art from living artists. And so as a living artist, he likes to support that. And that has got to be one of the coolest things that I have done. Now, it may not be as special, maybe people thinking, you know, sharing the stage with a pop star or whatever, that is definitely cool. But like for what I've done, like I've done some cool things. He's taken me across the country, like things that you wouldn't even think about or know about unless you were in that realm. And that is one of the coolest things that things that I can't share with you, but like just talking about it right now gives me chills. I'm like, God, I'm so lucky that he randomly found me and, you know, likes me for whatever reason. It's also the respect of the craft. Like you just said, like, you know, it's respecting what you're doing and Uh helping you make that flourish. Yep, exactly. And I wish everybody could do that. I wish everybody could walk into a drag show and be like in awe instead of like, eh. you get both. You get people who come and they're like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And then you get people who are like, can we go and dance now? <laughs> 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 so speaking of your drag, so if people are coming to Nashville, they're coming to play and you are there, what is the princess show what can they expect when they see you energy full of energy energy and a little bit of bite all i can think of is energy when i step out for a number it's energy when i'm emceeing it's energy it's nothing but like nine times out of ten my numbers are high energy they're up they're like they're there to like I feed off of the audience and like if I'm giving them a song that they can't get into or get excited about then i'm not getting anything in return you know so You mentioned emceeing and then also performing. Do you have a favorite out of those two? If the crowd is lit, both of them. If the crowd is, then sometimes they both can be like any girl I work with will tell you whether it's a number and you get off and they're like, oh, that was rough or talking to people. That was rough. But other times I walk off and I feel like I own the world, you know, so it just depends on the night. What do you think the biggest misconception of you is? That I'm a not good drag queen, that I'm not good at drag. Because like with anybody that gets kicked off of that show early, you're held to that to where you were kicked off. And I'm brushed aside constantly, not only by audience, but also by the sisterhood. You know, there are girls who look down on me because I didn't make it so far And it's like, okay, well, that doesn't mean I'm not good at what I do or I'm not a good person because there's definitely a hierarchy, you know, and not just among the rule girls, but there's a hierarchy, you know, amongst how people view you, you know? And so like, I really have to work hard at showing people that I may not have made it. And yes, still 10 years later, I may not have made it far on the show, but I'm still fucking good at what I do. Yeah. And I think that that's a big thing about the show, too, is that the queens that did go home too early or do go home too early, it honestly, you don't see anything of them. Like, so if you're going home for a second or a third, 
you know, you may not have been great in a design challenge. You may not be good in an acting challenge, whatever challenge was given to you. But also if you get to the top five, six, seven, eight, you can be bad in those challenges and still be safe. So it's, you got a whole trajectory of showing what you can do. And some of the queens that went home earlier, the best ones in the franchise for their performances and how they are as a queen. Yeah, I agree. Because I think I said it on the reunion special, the finale, some of the stuff that came down the runway later after I was off was garbage, you know? And and in my head, I'm like, if y'all would have just kept me around, like they let introverts make it all the way to the top four now, you know what I mean? Like, so they're special now because they're introverts and we have to, you know, pat them on the back and all that stuff. And so it's like, okay, well, whatever. Another fan question that we had was, you have been looking so great recently on Instagram. Would you ever return for an All-Stars? I would really like to see your personality more. So the question I get asked most other than you should audition for Drag Race is, would you ever go on? And I would say I'm about 75% no. And 25% yes. And the 25% yes is because of where I work. They would love for me to go on. And my friends, the 75% no is it is not a level playing field. I don't think it is fair to have girls go on that show who are me, who are local girls now, going up against girls who are making thousands of dollars a night for a booking and have access to the designers and all of this stuff. That is not a level playing field. Now, if you want to put me on an all-stars where you have to start from scratch and then work up, let's do it, baby. I'll show you what I'm made of. But like, you can't put my $100 dress next to somebody's $3,000 dress. You know what I mean? And those girls, I'm sure you've talked about it, girls are taking loans out. They're taking out mortgages on their house. I don't have that luxury to do that. So like, that's not a level playing field. You know what I mean? And Michelle and whoever else the judges are will say, well, you don't need to have expensive things. No, yeah, you do. RuPaul has said it herself. She doesn't want to see fucking H&M. She doesn't want to see, she wants to see custom pieces, which I love. That makes it exciting for us. But that also cuts out my chances, you know? Yeah. It also cuts into an area of like, do we need to see the same three designers over and over and over again? Like, can we see something a little bit different because soon there's going to be a season where it's like 10 girls and every single girl has the same designer. And then you're like, well, there's no change. Then to add on top of that, I can make my own stuff. Give me a month. Don't give me a week and a half to get prepared and at ask those three same designers. Give me a month and I will spit my shit out and you will see something that hasn't been done yet. You know, and I think that's what that would make all stars exciting. Yeah. And I also think it would be really exciting if they like actually gave you guys a budget, you know, so it's like you have this amount of money to spend. You have to go spend it locally or whatever it is. And that's it. Yeah. And again, that's not me complaining about it. That's just me being honest with myself. If I were to ever get the email saying, hey, we would like to have you, I would really have to consider okay, what do you have in your closet? What can you have made for a very small amount of money when you know you're going to go against somebody who's touring the world right now and, you know, has a very large bank account, you know? Those are the kind of things that would fuck with my head. Not about how I am as a drag queen or, you know, now I know I can step into that workroom and be the loud, boisterous one, not because they would want to see it, but because now I can put up with the rest of them, you know, kind of thing. 
Well, as we close this all out, I do want to know what is next for you. What's the rest of this year look like? So our Pride is in two weeks, September 19th. So that's coming up, Pride. And then immediately after that is Halloween. Halloween is one of the busiest times. Pride, Halloween, and New Year's are our busiest holidays of the entire year. And they're all about to come down the pipeline. We were obviously closed for quarantine last year. So they're about to be crazy, 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 crazy. So that, yeah, that's definitely the rest of this year. I'm trying to take a vacation. I've been telling my friends, I'm like, I just want to go lay on a beach somewhere. So I'm trying to do that. Yeah, that's the rest of this year. What's Halloween like in Nashville? A blast. Not only is it my favorite holiday for myself personally, but it's just a really fucking good time. Like people really get into it. And I think Halloween's on a Sunday. Usually when Halloween falls on like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, like it's insane. No, it, it being on a Sunday this year, we'll see. But yeah, I'm going to have fun <laughs> no matter what. As you should. Do you think of costumes beforehand? Like, are you like thinking of what you're going to do? I literally just started this week because like I said, I got to get past Pride. And then after Pride, I can start. I usually like to have at least one new thing every year so one new character or something that I'm working on. So not sure what that is yet, but I'll figure it out. I can't wait to see my last question for you. What's a message that you have for the LGBT community? Can we stop with putting everybody in a box? We are only separating ourselves by this, 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 this. Can we just come together and be one? You can be an individual without fighting people There's too many boxes, I guess what I'm saying. In order to be under our rainbow, our beautiful rainbow, our beautiful umbrella, let's just be one and not so separated. And yeah. I agree with that 100. One thing that I always say is step outside of your letter because it's like we are such a big community, but you don't know somebody else's transgressions or what they're going through. And, you know, just because you're a gay individual, you don't know the struggle that a trans person has or a lesbian has or what it is. And it's like, you really just need to open yourself up and visit the other letters. See what's up. Do your research. Yeah. You hit it right on the head. Visit the other letters. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, the princess, for being here and joining me. Where can everybody find you on those socials? At the drag princess on everything on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat if you want to snap me. (laughs) Snap princess away. Give her all the love. Show her some love. Write in the comments below what your favorite part of the interview is. And thank you so much for just taking the time. We tried this multiple times. I'm glad it finally happened. And we did it. And when I'm in Nashville next time, I'm literally going to hit you up because I'm going to need to revisit the play and see what's all been going down now. Awesome. Come see me. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Exposed Dragged Out brought to you by The Dip. I'm Joseph Shepard, your host. You can follow me on all things social at Joseph A. Shepard. That's S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. You can also go to thedip.com slash RuPaul's Drag Race. The Dip with two P's dot com. That's the dip with two piece.com. Use promo code EXPOSE for 50% off your membership. And be sure to check out other podcasts from the dip, including Hot Off the Mess with Samantha Bush, the Daily Pop Culture Podcast, Pop Chaser, TV History Podcast, TV Watch Repeat, Real Housewives Podcast, The Slut Pick Podcast, and also I Am the Cute One, America Kate and Ashley Olsen Podcast. Until next time, I'm Joseph Shepard.
yourself. Ooh. Show them what you're all about. You're right. 